Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have Terrific guest for today's show, including Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, also Professor Larry Bell, a dad professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, and uh, author of several books. His latest is What Makes Humans Tru- Truly Exceptional. Our theme today is going to be on the Constitution and the rule of law. What's going on? Anyhow, just a lot of things that really jeopardize what I consider to be uh, the direction and the, the uh, uh, Constitution. It is May the 5th. Happy Cinco de Mayo. What's the story behind Cinco de Mayo? Well, of course, that's in Espanol. That is May the 5th. And on this day in 1862, during the French-Mexican War, an outnumbered Mexican army defeated a powerful invading French force at Puebla. Uh, the retreat of the French troops at the Battle of Puebla represented a great moral victory for the people of Mexico, symbolizing the country's ability to defend its sovereignty against a powerful foreign nation. In 1861, Benito Juarez became president of Mexico, a country in financial ruin, and he was forced to default on his debts to European governments. In response, France, Britain, and Spain sent naval forces to Veracruz to demand reimbursement. Britain and Spain negotiated with Mexico and withdrew, but France, ruled by Napoleon III, decided to use the opportunity to carve a dependent empire out of Mexican territory. Late in 1861, a well-armed French fleet Storm Veracruz, landing a large French force and uh, driving President Juarez and his government into the retreat. Certain that uh, French victory would come to swiftly to Mexico, 6,000 French troops under General Charles Lorenz sent out uh, in May 1862 to attack Puebla de Los Angeles. From his new headquarters in the north, Juarez rounded up a ragtag force of loyal men and sent them to Puebla. Led by General Ignacio Zarazota, I should say that again, Zaragoza, an estimated 2,000 to 5,000 Mexicans fortified the town and prepared for the assault by the well-equipped French force. On the 5th of May, or Cinco de Mayo, Lorenz gathered his army and began an attack from the north side of Puebla. The battle lasted from daybreak until early evening after Lorenz realized his superior French force was losing far more troops than the Mexicans. He completely withdrew his defeated army. Happy Cinco de Mayo. This all happened, of course, during, in 1862, during the Civil War, by the way. Well, Van Ellison, president and chief executive officer of the St. Matthew's House Homeless and Recovery Program, has retired effective immediately. That according to a not-for-profit organization in Collier County. Uh, chief operating officer Steve Bruder is serving as interim director while the organization conducts a national search for a new CEO. The chairman of the board of directors said on uh, an April 29th news release. Now, Van Ellison is a great man. He is uh, just a truly great leader. I just think the world of him. Uh, and while his resignation is immediate, I think he has, you know, he's going to Africa with his wife in the next month or within the month. I wonder if he doesn't have his eyes on some sort of uh, operation. And what I mean by that is some sort of charitable support for uh, people in Africa. And there's certainly a lot of need. He joined St. Matthew's House in 2004 as president and CEO when he operated on a homeless shelter with a $1.5 million annual budget. Uh, He was previously the jail chaplain for Cuyahoga County Sheriff's Office. Well, under his leadership, St. Matthew's House has grown to $25 million annual operation, and it's a year-long homeless and addiction recovery program and numerous businesses to support its services. It employs 250 people. Amazing organization. They don't take a penny of government money. Since the uh, COVID-19 pandemic began, St. Matthew's House has distributed food to more than 3,000 families a week. It's difficult to visualize St. Matthew's House without Ellison, given all he's accomplished over 17 years of service 
Trachtenberg said, he's the chairman of the board, we're sure that Ellison's talents will continue to be used for a greater purpose. Reached Tuesday by phone, Ellison, who's 59 years of age, said he's proud of what he's done at St. Matthew's House and uh, how lives have been transformed. He certainly should be proud. He's done a great job. He embraces a holistic approach that people need to get better in mind, body, and spirit to be successful in their recovery from addiction and homelessness. I've looked at my, all my options in front of me and the circumstances, given I have chosen to take early retirement and move on to the next chapter of my life, he said. I'm excited about the future. I tend to have a more optimistic view of life, he said. Ellis said he and his wife Lisa will travel to Africa next week when they will be involved in missions in South Sudan and Uganda to rescue girls being trafficked and boys who are forced to become soldiers. They plan to stay in Africa a month. Well, maybe they're making plans to stay there longer than that. Uh, it's, a, it's just an amazing story. I'm so proud of uh, Van and what he's accomplished, and uh, certainly they're going to conduct a search, and I'm sure that he has a lot of confidence in the CFO right now to take over and do a good job until they find an, uh, a, a successor. St. Matthew's House employees uh, are who are program graduates working in organizations creating companies like uh, Lulabee's Restaurant, uh, six thrift stores in Collier and Lee County, a car wash and a hotel in LaBelle. Now, what's interesting about that is they started all these businesses and run them for profit in order to support the operations at St. Matthew's House, along with the donations, the generous donations from the community. So uh, I hope you send, check out stmatthewshouse.org, stmatthewshouse.org, and make a contribution. Terrific organization. Well, nearly three decades after winning... Uh, elected office as a Republican, U.S. Representative Charlie Crist took the next big step on in Tuesday in his long and unusual political career by announcing a second bid for governor as Democrat. Crist made the announcement on Twitter Tuesday morning in advance of a campaign kickoff event in his home of St. Petersburg, becoming the first Democrat to jump into what is expected to be a crowded contest to win the right to take on Governor Ron DeSantis. This is uh, he is such a chameleon. He uh, left, of course, the Republican Party. He was at one time known as Chain Gang Charlie because of the, he was tough on, uh, on uh, criminal activity. So he called it Chain Gang Charlie. Well, uh, he ended up losing his uh, election. Actually, he decided to, uh, he lost his election to uh, uh, Scott, Rick Scott, and uh, his behavior was just atrocious. I was actually the uh, the uh, the uh, parade, the uh, the uh, celebration of uh, Rick Scott's uh, uh, winning the uh, nomination or winning the uh, governorship in Florida. So I was up in uh, Tallahassee, and I uh, was the parade announcer, moderator. Anyhow, uh, that was a lot of fun for me, and I really appreciate uh, Governor Scott. Uh, giving me that opportunity. But Charlie Chris was acting so bored, his facial expressions, and he went on to, uh, of course, run against Scott for the uh, senatorship, being senator of uh, Florida, and he was uh, unbelievably poor behavior. So now he wants to take on Governor Ron DeSantis. It makes me wonder, perhaps, he's seeing the writing on the wall and that his uh, he's not going to be able to sustain or win as representative in, uh, in, I think he in, in, in Sarasota in that area. The deck is stacked against the middle class, added and embedded uh, by Governor Ron DeSantis and his Republican allies in Tallahassee, Chris said. This is a governor who doesn't listen, who doesn't care, and doesn't think about you. He's failed to lead during the greatest health and economic crisis of our lifetime. I'm not kidding. He really said that. What's he? Is he paying, not paying attention at all? He then laid out a great uh, policy agenda that has evolved significantly since his time as a Republican governor. He called for fully legalizing marijuana, banning assault weapons, and also emphasizes making uh, many of the policies he's pitched more than a decade ago, including addressing climate change and keeping taxes and property insurance low. <laughs> He's a great, uh, you know, retail politician. He's, you know, apparently when you meet him, you really like him uh, as a person. But uh, he is just a uh, chameleon, much like uh, Joe Biden. He comes, he basically says whatever he has to say in order to get elected. 
So he'll, uh, let's see, maybe he'll win the nomination and uh, run for governor again uh, as uh, governor of Florida. Uh, DeSantis took a jab at Chris' uh, party switching Tuesday. Which party is he going to run under? Do we know for sure, said DeSantis, who clearly was ready with a practice dancer when he was asked by reporters about Chris' emergency, uh, emergence as a challenger. He's, a, uh, he's run as a Republican and lost, run as an independent and lost, and run as a Democrat and lost, DeSantis said. Now I see he's voting with the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time. He could probably give it a run for the Green Party in San Francisco, said DeSantis. Democrats largely have embraced Chris, though, and nominating him for governor in 2014 and sending him to Congress in 2016, where he's served ever since. Chain Gang Charlie, a chameleon, running for governor of uh, Florida against De- uh, DeSantis. Good luck with that. This segment of the show brought to you the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Uh, Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. Visit uh, lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Andrew Jopp, a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, a limited government, and the rule of law. That would be the Constitution. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. Right now we have with us one of my favorite guests on the show on a weekly basis, Andrew Joppa. He is a professor and author author of Josephus of Oz. And Andy, welcome to the show. It is always a highlight of my week to be on your show, Bob. Thank you, Andy. And you know what? Uh, I opened with uh, some comments about the rule of law and the Constitution. And I, when I watch what's happening in the Democrat Party and what's happening in Congress, I begin, is anybody paying attention? Well, I think the answer to that is an obvious no. Um, so I'm going to get to uh, some in-depth comments on the Constitution, some of the problems as I see them. Maybe let me make some opening comments uh, as I as I 
am prone to do on any given time I talk to you. Uh, Charlie Crist has announced that he's going to run for the governor's chair, the gubernatorial slot in uh, 2000, in 2022. And uh, I think most of these stories have a, a deeper implication, which can be sought out. So uh, why is Charlie Crist doing this? I think Charlie Crist smells blood in the water, and I'm not suggesting it's Ron DeSantis's blood. He's done a sensational job, and I, I think he personally is, is invulnerable. What I think is uh, prompting Charlie Crist is a change in the demographics of Florida. Yep. Uh, a deep um, registration campaign of the left still going on, plus a uh, a quantum shift of populations from the Northeast to the East Coast primarily. But I think Charlie Crist is sensing a demographic shift in Florida that might deliver the additional votes that uh, Gillum did not have uh, when he lost to uh, Ron DeSantis in 2018. So hmm. um, I think that's the story as I see it. Not necessarily that Crist is running, but why is he running? Yeah, so th- um, in, in the absence I'm- of information, uh, uh, Andy, what I made up in my mind is that he sensed his own blood in the water because we're going to have some uh, some new districts and the things are going to be changed around a little bit. It makes me wonder, perhaps, he wondered if he wasn't very vulnerable running for Congress again. Well, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, Charlie Crist has always been a strange political figure, shifting parties and uh, taking some strange public positions. But, you know, and, and you know, no one knows. But um, I, I, I think these questions have to be asked and at least considered and not yeah. seen as just almost comic relief you know charlie chris is running it's it's a joke i think there's something more to it yeah uh, as to exactly what that is it's it's very hard to say right now uh, but i think it must be must be considered um cindy mccain is uh, cast her lot with the biden administration i think that uh, probably is in keeping with uh, not what john mccain thought i think john mccain was in keeping what with what cindy mccain thought so i think we're seeing uh, an exposing of the uh, the historic relationship between the deceased John McCain and his wife, Cindy McCain, uh, and that is becoming manifest as she really casts her lot with the Biden administration and suggests she'd be more than willing, more than willing to uh, to work for the for the Biden administration. Nothing criminal in that, but essentially it's, uh, I think, an indication of of, of of another story that exists. So, yeah, um, interesting. Before we get into the Constitution, one more item that I'd like to just to uh, touch on, perhaps in, in some depth. Uh, there was a recent uh, essay by uh, Denise D'Souza in, in the Epic Times uh, talking about, and the bottom line was that the FBI uh, should be disbanded. Now, I've, I've made that point in several prior essays. It certainly is a dramatic point, and I, I presume it would be seen as a radical position to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, as time goes on, I think we can see with the selective enforcement of, a, of law uh, by the FBI, that it has become little more than a political operative of the left. Uh, their recent 6 a.m. Uh, raid on Rudy Giuliani's home, when he was more than willing to meet with them, give all the information they wanted prior to that, but they needed the drama of the uh, of the 6 a.m. raid. Yep. Uh, and all of this is done while the FBI is essentially ignoring a, a myriad of other crimes coming, uh, you know, far as far back as the uh, the Trump campaign in 2016, uh, and now in, including the Hunter Biden circumstance, the Hunter Biden laptop. Yep. Um, if I, if we can judge by Giuliani's statement, he offered the the laptop or at least the the hard drive of that laptop to the FBI, and they refused to take it. Now that has not been documented, other than uh, Giuliani's comment. Uh, but if that's true, uh, they have willfully rejected the ability to have uh, hard evidence. Uh, in terms of, of uh, Hunter Biden's uh, background, especially with China. So um, the FBI, I think, has been suspect for many years. What I'd like to bring up is the... the well, Andy, could I, could, I make a, could I make a comment? Uh, if you I, must, Bob. I'm, okay, I, I, I heartily agree with your uh, recommendation, although we continue to hear there's some very good people at the FBI. It's a huge organization. I wonder if the answer might be, instead of uh, firing or getting rid of the FBI, is... Uh, just to get rid of everybody on the seventh floor. Well, I think that would be a start, but I again, it's it's very hard with uh, as with cancer to tell how how deep the uh, yeah, the carcinogenic agents uh, uh, have 
bitten into the skin of the of the of the system. Uh, and in the FBI, it's very hard to tell the level of contamination that that exists. Yeah, but you know, um, it's a, it there's a culture there, and the culture's there because of the leadership. Now, if you could find a strong leader to come in and uh, change the culture, I mean, I realize it's a difficult task, but if you get rid of the FBI, I mean, we do need some sort of a federal mechanism to investigate crimes and investigate, you know, to follow up on things. Uh, the the, the uh, need is there, but right now the, the agency is totally corrupt. Well, the destruction of the FBI does not mean the, uh, the elimination of all the functions of the FBI. It means that you take the existing structure uh-huh. and you start from, from base zero and you, you rebuild it in a, in a healthier model. Um, I've always made the point that the FBI is not independent. They keep insisting that these, the CIA and the FBI are independent agencies. They are not. They are under the executive branch. They right. are under the authority of the executive branch. Right. And I think as this thing would be rebuilt in a healthier form, uh, there are national police force. The FBI uh, has to stop being Gestapo-like, has to stop being Stasi-like. And I think we've seen that right. uh, repeatedly. And uh, by the way, this isn't just a recent phenomenon. We can trace this back to the uh, to the origins of the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover uh, and his dossier that he pr- apparently maintained on every political figure in Washington and used it. Uh, used it to gain political leverage. So this is not a new phenomenon. It is essential. I would I would say to the very existence and the culture of the FBI from its very origin, Bob. So I, I agree with you. the The function must be maintained, but this organization must not be the uh, the the holder of that power. It must be rebuilt into a healthier form, Bob. I couldn't agree. Uh, I couldn't agree yeah, more. I'm sorry. Couldn't agree uh, more, Andy. Andy, uh, you know, we have so much more to talk about. This is a good time to take a break and uh, hear from a couple of our sponsors. Can you stick around? I'll grab a cup of coffee and I'll be here. Okay. Thank you, Andy. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. You just heard the commercial about building a new performing arts center in downtown Naples. Well, looks like they'll be breaking ground this year, and that's just very exciting. Plus, they're doing professional New York-style theater at its very best. I hope you check out the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org, golfshoreplayhouse.org. 
Uh, we're continuing the conversation here with Andy Joppa. Andy, of course, is a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Bob. One of these days, ask me to tell you how I changed Les Miserables on Broadway. <laughs> it's an interesting story. Yeah, okay, I look forward to it. Maybe we should do it over a glass of tequila here on Sink of the Mayo. <laughs> so, uh, Andy, uh, let's continue our conversation here about what's going on with uh, the Constitution, the FBI, and uh, these, these agencies. Let, let, me, let me just move to the CIA from the FBI. I think it's quite obvious that the FBI has become more an agent of the progressive left than uh, any other function they serve. I think the CIA, uh, perhaps we could have documented that uh, earlier than, uh, than uh, yesterday, for example. But uh, yesterday there was, uh, or day before yesterday, an ad was run by the uh, CIA recruiting ad. And it, in it they have a woman who says, I am intersectional, but my existence is not a box-checking exercise. Uh, she's an intelligence officer who declares, I am cisgender millennial who has been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Disorder. I used to struggle with imposter syndrome, but at 36, I refuse to internalize misguided patriarchal ideas of what a woman can or should be. This is a recruiting ad for the CIA, and I think, again, it's one of those stories that has a deeper meaning. I think it, it rather dramatically indicates that the CIA, as well as the FBI, had shifted, had shifted dramatically to being agents of the progressive left. And I think that's been uh, probably something I could have said uh, months ago, right. years ago perhaps. Uh, but I think it's become more emphatic with that recruiting ad for the CIA. That's such an interesting observation. Uh, <laughs> you know, quite frankly, if these are the candidates that they're considering. I mean, it's all so woke. They're mentioning their uh, gender identification and uh you know, uh, my hope is that we've uh, that people who are agents for the uh, CIA are have moved beyond their own personal anxieties and are focused on the rule of law in their jobs. Well, you you would think that the uh, the agency charged with our international uh, defense, let's call it, uh, would certainly be seeking out the the most meritorious candidate. But this is an indication of uh, the general pattern in uh, in American life and American government, specifically where uh, the identity, the group identity, has become far more significant than the actual quality of the of the candidate. And let, let me just add something without creating a new conspiracy theory, Bob. This mm -hmm. is uh, just a uh, an interesting point. Um, before I came on with you, I did some uh, research, I did some Google search uh, on Gina Haspel. I was just trying to find out if anything exists that showed Gina Haspel is alive. Now, if you recall, there was a, a story released that was seen as a, um, an alt-right story that Gina Haspel was either uh, injured or killed or sent to Gitmo after a raid on the Frankfurt computer farm. Yeah, this was back that. during the election analysis in 2020. Right. And since that point, I have been trying to find some indication that Gina Haspel is alive. And even to this day, when you search it, it says things like, there's no proof she's dead. Uh, an age, uh, a, uh, uh, a member of the CIA indicates she's alive. Her resignation submitted in writing. So uh, it's just an interesting story. I don't want to invoke some new conspiracy theory, but I think uh, with all of the claims of the, uh, the, the problems that apparently or theoretically befell uh, Gina Haspel, that she would be front center, that she'd be being interviewed, that she'd be in front of Congress, be interviewed on uh, on television shows, but nothing. She has not appeared since that moment. And I think it's just an interesting comment as compared to being something that I'm trying to uh, stir a conspiratorial pot. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, she was basically dragging her feet uh, to wait for the uh, end of the election and was, I'm sure, relieved to hear that uh, Joe Biden had won. Uh, that, is she still head of the, uh, of the CIA? No, she, she resigned, I think, the day before the, uh, the swearing-in ceremony on January 20th. I so, see, okay. But again, that was in writing, and uh, it's, it's just an interesting story that uh, you would think that with, with the stories on her being dead or being injured or being in Gitmo, that she would be uh, going around and making her presence known. But uh, even through the Google search, and I, I stayed on that for a while, not any indication that there's any proof that Gina Haspel was alive. That is so interesting. And, you know, uh, right now we, we're seeing what's happened, the results of what's happened with the CIA, FBI. And, and that's, so, you know, in fact, I, I saw the story that Coca-Cola Coca-Cola has stopped their uh, their program uh, for, you know, the 
the uh, white fragility and all that type of thing. And, so, and apparently the attorneys quit. And decide, I guess apparently they're just kind of withdrawing their efforts to uh, be woke, which is kind of refreshing. I wonder if there's not some backlash. Uh, not well, only- from what I understand, they're, they're uh, shelf sales in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the large uh, uh, supermarkets. Publix, for example, um, have, have gone down rather precipitously since that event. So, uh, you know, and we're, we're not an indication, let's say, in, in Florida or southwest Florida, particularly of the rest of the nation. But, uh, but certainly there has been a, a, a large backlash as far as I can estimate. And I think uh, Coca-Cola, you know, knowing, knowing where their bread is buttered is, uh, is, is, is withdrawing from some of these more extreme comments that they made, particularly in the area of, of white fragility, the CRT theory that, that was being prob- promulgated with all of their employees at that point yeah. in time. So th- that, that's a good sign. I'm glad to see that there's some uh, reasonable pushback. I don't like anything dramatic to happen, but I think reasonable uh, customer pushback, I think, is a, is a good way to go at this point, Bob. No, uh, you know, and I agree with that. On the other hand, I'm, I'm wondering if perhaps many of these companies are international, Coca-Cola being among them, and many others who look, are looking at that just licking their chops with the Chinese uh, market and uh, all the global markets that they, they would have. I wonder if some of them might be saying, you know what, uh, in the scheme of things, the U.S. market's just not that important. Well, it might be. Um, I'm not sure how you're aligning that with their withdrawal from their uh, their their progressive uh, programs. But h- how do you see that being part of that? Well, that I I, I, made? I don't. I, I mean, that, uh, perhaps they're stubbing their toe here. And so we've seen so many different companies take a hit here in the United States, like the NBA, the uh, uh, Major League Baseball. I mean, all, all these companies that have. Uh, become woke have be taken the consequence financially in terms of u.s markets but uh, other companies continue on with their programs uh, with the climate change and supporting this whole agenda is just unbelievable just make sure I, that was just a thought that i had no i i think it's it's reasonable you know i right now i'm teaching international marketing and international uh, uh, business international management and uh, it's becoming more and more problematic because there are so many uh, unknown variables in the mix. You're suggesting one of them that uh, U.S. companies may be not not giving up on the U.S. market. It's too big to give up on it, but their their focus may be shifting to the uh, more so to the international market and primarily to to China. Keeping in mind that there's still an estimated 800 million people in poverty in China, and right. once that group emerges from that poverty, or at least a significant portion of it, you know you're going to have uh, two markets open up in China that are, 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 are twice the size of the United States themselves. So when you're talking about a market of a billion and a half people approximately, United States market 330 million, you know, the, uh, if you're going to choose either or, then I think you're going to at this point choose China, especially as that uh, 800 million in poverty start to move beyond that. Yeah, it's absolutely the case, Andy. So, um, it's kind of interesting. You're a college professor, and uh, we're hearing the stories about what's happening with regard to education in our American university system, the 1619 Project. Any thoughts? Uh, I have so many thoughts. Um, I'm teaching online, so I can uh, roughly protect myself by being able to measure my exact words. I don't know if I could survive in, in front of a class anymore. I spent 25 years as a classroom lecturer, and I, I love that, that that adrenaline flow was just just fantastic. Uh, right now, I can I can um, uh, I would say minimize my um, <laughs> my thoughts, and I, I don't say that in a positive way, obviously. Uh, but I uh, I think there's a, a general pressure to uh, not move uh, into areas of, of controversy. And if you do, the students have become more aggressive in terms of even calling out faculty. Now, they, they are not directly in a harsh way calling me out, but there were significant challenges. I don't know if I mentioned to you last week that I, I, I offered the thought that unity is more important than diversity. So if, if you are achieving diversity but losing unity, now that remark uh, created a, uh, I'm going to call it a firestorm of, of commentary from my students that huh. uh, in their minds, diversity is so critical, so overwhelming a positive that anything that you would offer that would not be fully supportive of it uh, even if you're aligning it with uh, a complementary area of unity, uh, that that is that's a problem. Well, so I think we're looking at those type of uh, 
a pedagog pedagogical type of phenomenon that are taking place across the board and in the in the major universities i think even more so than in my uh middle of the middle of the pack college but. yeah you know what i mean uh Quite frankly, what I uh, just uh, you're probably experiencing some anxiety about uh, perhaps whether you'll be able to continue if, in fact, you're attacked by the uh, faculty or by the uh, head of the of the uh, university or the college. But uh, the other side of this too is that you know I believe in diversity, but I believe in diversity only of individuals. Quite frankly, we're all individuals, and as long as we focus on the individual and not groups then uh, that's the kind of diversity that I like. Everybody is unique. See, and that, that kind of diversity, which I always espouse, and it's the healthiest version of it, would be seen as inherently racist. In other words, if you, <laughs> if you indicate that your primary focus is not on group identity, you are seen as being either uh, racially biased, gender biased, ethnically biased, that you must ascribe to the fact that uh, if, uh. if you even say, I, I refuse to assess somebody on the color of their skin or their gender, uh, you are seen as a biased, bigoted individual. So it's a very difficult world to function in. But I totally agree with your, your assessment yeah. that uh, individualism, uh, the, the, the power of the individual can reach accommodation with the power of other individuals. And there can be a unity derived from individualism. It is not possible when the 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 vision is based on group identity and that's what we're seeing seeing right now and again if you look at uh, taking it down one one or two steps lower in the uh, education system uh, we're producing a bifurcation of the american uh, school children uh half of the children i'm going to use these numbers without any specificity to it half american america's children are being immersed in, in critical race theory they're being immersed in 1619 in the 1619 project and the other half are not so as these children emerge from high school and go on to college, we're going to produce two entirely different sets of Americans. Yeah, We've so seen that already, obviously. But I think that's going to become deeper and deeper as a phenomenon. And whether that can ever be reconciled in any way, I, I have serious doubts that there can be any reconciliation between that process that has been produced. That's so interesting. Uh, Andy, I've, we have so much more to talk about. Can you stick around? We will get to the Constitution. Yeah, okay. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, although the tide's working against us with the uh, Biden administration. But nevertheless, uh, a great organization. I hope you check it out. TheFGA.org is the website. TheFGA.org. Coming up, Professor Larry Bell. Right now we continue the conversation with Andy Joppa. And Andy, you know, uh, we've talked about the CIA, the FBI. We've talked about all these activities and concerns with regard to uh, colleges and universities and as well as uh, secondary schools. Uh, the backdrop of all this is the Constitution. What's going on? Well, uh, many things are going on. Most of them, uh, most of them negative. Um, let me just start out with a comment I made to you uh, uh, off air, which is the defining element of what it is to be an American is the uh, the uh, respect and honoring of the Constitution. There's no other way to define what an American is. When you say I'm a loyal American, it means I uh, I, I adhere to the dictates of the Constitution. That is the contract that we all have agreed to as Americans. So uh, just starting there, that without the Constitution, no, nothing else exists. There's no presidency, no Congress, no, no courts. Everything is dependent on it. If the Constitution does not control the nature of what America is, then there is nothing but anarchy and chaos. So that's just a, a, a general opening statement uh, to speak. Uh, right now, um, let me just focus a bit on the Bill of Rights uh, to use some specific topics. I bring that up because uh, Joe Biden has indicated several times that the, the Bill of Rights, the rights of Americans, are not absolutes. And uh, that's just totally fallacious. The rights are absolute. Uh, if we look at um, freedom of speech, it's an absolute. In terms of the federal government now, the federal government can make, the Congress can make no law. It does not say unless the, the speech is hateful or unless the speech is dangerous. Mm -hmm. It essentially is a, is a blanket, absolute position on speech. Now, can that be, in fact, in some way controlled at the, at the state level? Let's take the, the standardized comment of uh, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Well, that's not a good thing to do. Why would anybody do it? But at the state level, you could have uh, in, enactments that would prohibit that. But the federal government cannot enact anything that would restrict freedom of speech. Um, the, the same thing applies across the board with, uh, let's take the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms. The, um, there is no right of the federal government to in any way control the rights of the citizens to, uh, to possess and, and utilize in a healthy manner. They can't go around shooting people. That in itself is a crime. But to possess weaponry is... Uh, absolutely outside the control of the federal government. It is not an enumerated power. Right. Now, let me make the general point I was going to make about the Bill of Rights. Back during the ratification process for the Constitution, uh, it was being resisted at that point by the anti-federalists, primarily because they wanted a Bill of Rights. They wanted what they saw as the surety uh, of the uh, documentation uh, on paper, in this case, uh, of the rights that were afforded to all Americans. And I, I certainly tend to agree with that general concept. However, uh, the Federalists, uh, led by Alexander Hamilton, uh, felt that there was a real danger in terms of creating that Bill of Rights. Right. Uh, and I think we're seeing that danger expressed right now. For example, if we look at uh, Hamilton's words, he said, a Bill of Rights are not only unnecessary in the proposed Constitution, but would even be dangerous. They would contain various exceptions to powers, not granted, and on this very account would afford a colorable pretext to claim more than were granted. Uh -huh. so why declare that things shall not be done when there is no power to do? You know, that, uh, is, a, is, that is a great uh, observation and comment. In fact, the uh, federal government has 18 enumerated powers in the Constitution. And uh, to support Hamilton's position is that when you start enumerating uh, the Bill of Rights, uh, then the, it raises the question, well, uh, then the government can has uh, all the other rights? <laughs> it just raises well, it, the question. The government either has 17 enumerated powers or 18 or 19, depending who's who's making the presentation. There are 17 powers actually listed in the Constitution, uh, but often they, they weave into this the, the necessary and proper clause, uh, which is not a, a right or a, no, I'm sorry, it's not a power in itself. Huh. It was just said that any fulfillment of the 17 enumerated powers uh, contained within it 
the necessary and proper power to fulfill that particular uh, power of the federal government. It wasn't an additional power. Ah. It only uh, explained the fulfillment of those 17 enumerated powers. Uh, another power that has been invoked uh, all too often is, is the General Welfare Clause. The General Welfare Clause, uh, and as is the, um, um, the uh, Necessary and Proper Clause, are what uh, similar to the preambles of the Constitution, Bob. They are they're rhetoric. They have no particular binding uh, effect, but they have been used perhaps more by the by the courts, by the by the political factors in Washington uh, to expand the powers of the federal government to anything else. Right. The General Welfare Clause essentially says that the 17 enumerated powers are there, but you can only act on those enumerated powers if they, in fact, fulfill the general welfare. So the general welfare was not uh, a, a open-ended provision uh, in the Constitution for the federal government to do anything that would enhance the general welfare. It said, if you're going to do any of the 17 enumerated powers, it must be weighed against its impact on the general welfare. So it's uh, it's these type of areas, the distortion uh, distortions in the general welfare class, the necessary and proper clause, and of course the uh, absolute corruption of the commerce clause, which uh, essentially was to make regular commerce between the states. It wasn't to uh, dictate the terms of it, just to make it regular, to make it to create a uh, uh, at that point a nationwide pattern of commerce between the states. What they've expanded that to mean is the power of the federal government uh, to regulate any exchange of commerce. Right. And that has given them vast powers economically across the entire United States. So as you and I talked off, uh, offline, off air, um, the Constitution has done its job. It, it sits there as a, uh, a perfect document in so many ways. And the, the factors we're seeing are not factors of, a, uh, of the Constitution, but an active, willful distortion of its intent with the primary purpose, Bob, being the enhancement, the growth, dramatic growth of uh, the powers in the reach of the federal government. Uh, so no question. I mean, uh, to me, I, it just seems to me that our current president right now is breaking the law, willfully breaking the law by not by allowing our borders to be open. And when you have your leadership basically lying and breaking the law, I mean, it leads to chaos. Again, to your point, the, the Constitution is the constant. It's the behavior of, of the American people and its leadership that uh, strays from uh, keeping us great, quite frankly. Andy, I always... Bob, I, I will challenge you, I challenge myself to find the next time a politician in Washington invokes the Constitution as a standard for action in the in the federal government. Uh, and, you know, I think we're going to go a long time before we find that. So uh, it's there, it's... it's the, the, the dominant it should be the dominating factor of American political economic life and yet it is it is being ignored or perhaps more dangerously warped into yeah. being things that it would uh, the founders had no intent that it ever go in those directions well not a pleasant thought to end the conversation Andy but I, I the admonition I think is so important I genuinely appreciate your coming on the show thank you so much for joining well us. Let, let me nice have a nice day Bob is that a, pre a pleasant thought yeah that's a very pleasant thought <laughs> <laughs> thank you Andy have a pleasant okay, day yourself all right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with uh, Professor Larry Bell, author of What Makes Human Truly Exceptional. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you 
have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. That's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check it out. You can download the app at choicesocial.us, choicesocial.us. We have with us Professor Larry Bell. As I mentioned before the break, he's a professor at the University of Houston, endowed professor in space architecture. He's been a very important part of the uh, space program over the years. He's also uh, the author of several books, his latest really fascinating read. I hope you'll get a copy of it, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. And he writes uh, his column. It's uh, more than weekly. It's called uh, On Point in Newsmax.com. You can check it out. His latest, Marxist uh, Mark Momentous Milestones in America's Makeover. Professor Bell, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, good morning, Bob. Thank you for having me again. Always a pleasure, Professor. So let's. Uh, today's theme has been uh, kind of the drifting away from the Constitution and uh, the rule of law. And your latest column is so interesting. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I think we're all aware that uh, we're seeing a lot of changes in this country that many of us are very alarmed about. And, you know, there, there's like a fire hose of new uh, regulations and orders coming out constantly and changes that, and we, you know, we look at uh, just how our lives have changed. COVID, COVID of course, made a big, uh, big impact on us, but in combination with that, we see so many changes, and, you know, that we all have all this group identity warfare now, this, uh, uh, you know, Used to be used to you know in the old days talk about in colorblind society and now you you want to you know it seems like every group is being uh, polarized against every other group and uh, kind of a divide and conquer kind of kind of uh, uh, culture now that we see and and that seems like it's straight out of you know the, the critical race theory and. Seems right right out of Solinsky's rules for radicals, where you you create a lot of animosity between groups and uh, discontent, and channel other anger towards each other, and then basically uh, uh, a lot goes on behind the curtains, and mm-hmm. and we see the rewriting of America's history. You know the uh, uh, all this this business with the uh, uh, right now the Department of Education has new rules that that really go right along with New York Times' 1619 project, which this is the rewriting of history that's going on in literally thousands and thousands of schools now. Uh, parents, you know, are beginning to become aware of that, but perhaps, uh, you know, it, it was uh, something that should have been recognized and addressed earlier. And, and we have the free speech uh, cancel culture, and that's, of course, big tech has been very active in that, and 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 we have this uh, essential, I think, takeover of the economy. You know, the we're seeing the uh, the globalist, uh, crony capitalist uh, um, organizations now that have global markets and really uh, give the American. Uh, Landscape kind of short shrift, and mm-hmm. you know, we see you know Coca Cola getting involved in politics, and 
Georgia suggesting that if if uh, everyone's required to have the ability to and, and the propensity to uh, identify themselves, uh, if that's a requirement, then it's somehow racist, and you, you scratch your head and you wonder how that works. And and we see the assault on our self-defense at the same time. Lawlessness is increasing, and and, and disorder, and so on. There's this uh, push to disarm us, you know, and mm-hmm. disarm the police and defund the police, and a new raft of uh, regulations on gun control. At the same time, that people are feeling very insecure about uh, you know their their personal protection, and, and of course the the election issues, you know, where. There's, I think, record low confidence in the uh, election integrity. And, and well, no, you can't say that. You can't say that, uh, you know, that somehow it was, the election was unfair and, and that Biden isn't the most charismatic figure in, in history. You can't really say that. Even though 19 attorneys general of different states, you know, filed petitions with the Supreme Court yeah. identifying specific uh, 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 invalidations of four states' elections. And then, you know, so we, it seems like we have this, you know, this final period where we're really looking at, uh, or we should look at, how our, how our traditions are being trampled, you know, the, you know, the, the push to, uh, to pack the Supreme Court, you know, the to to add different new states to the uh, roster, Washington D.C. changing mm-hmm. how, how Washington D.C. is designated so that it can be a state because it would it would you know reliably vote you know uh, for liberals and uh, same with Puerto Rico and so on and we and we see this assault on uh, just virtually every aspect of our society and. And it's happened so fast. You know, it's, it's certainly it's, accelerated, it's Professor. It's fast. Yeah, it's accelerated it so quickly. And uh, maybe the good side of this, uh, what you just described is extremely depressing. I mean, it's to move away from the Constitution, the rule of law, on one hand. On the other hand, uh, while this is all accelerated, the other point is it's. I think it's raising alarm, not only with, uh, with people like you and I who are uh, conservatives or libertarians, but also by some Democrats that might be saying, "What's going on? This is not what we signed up for." And uh, maybe the good the good news in all of this is that it's going to bring us down to a final choice, and people either are going to say, "No mas," <laughs> single de Mayo, "No mas," or uh, you know, we'll go along with this and end up in a socialist country. Well, my you know my uh, broad take on it is is it's kind of. Uh, Good news, bad news story, and the, the bad news is uh, you discover you've got termites, and uh, you realize they're they're into every timber of your house, and yeah. they're and, and and basically your structure is about to fall down, and you know they they've they've invaded you know, this the universities, they've invaded the media, they've invaded uh, entertainment industry, they've invaded uh, the you know globalist uh, corporations, big corporations, big tech. The good news is you, you discover you got termites, and 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 when you discover them, you can do something about it. and And I think there's going to be a big fumigation that occurs in 2022. I think, as you're saying, a lot of people are becoming aware. At first, you, you know, there's this sense of discomfort that that things are changing, and you can't quite get, put your finger on them. And because there's actually too many of them to put your finger on, there's and 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 but then you start to think, well. Yeah, why are the schools closed? Why are the public schools closed that uh, you know that are controlled by huge uh, uh, teachers unions that seem to uh, donate exclusively to to the Democrats? You know, and why why are my why are my kids missing their socialization opportunities? And why do we in suburban are we in suburban America immune from lawlessness that's happening in the cities? You know, why, why would they want to take our guns away? We're kind of uncomfortable about that. And a lot of people are gun owners and, and are hunters and so on. 
and a lot of them are, un- are union people. Right. A lot of them are Democrats. Yeah. And then, of course, we see all the cancel culture and and so on. And and uh, I think a lot of people are feeling it. You know, but they can't quite put their finger on it. But they're saying something's not quite right here. And 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 Biden doesn't seem to have quite control of his mind in his in his speech. No, he does. Uh, is there is there something wrong with his picture? Yeah. Uh- Vaccines.gum is <laughs> the website that he gave out yesterday. And he uh, took off his mask to be with the uh, Carters and put back on went out in fresh air. I mean, the, the, the uh, irony of all this is just exceptional. Again, Larry Bell's book is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional, just one of many fine books and interesting books, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional by Larry Bell. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, thank you. I always enjoy being on. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow we're going to visit with Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Always look forward to his discussions about education. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. Dr. George Markovich, an orthopedic surgeon uh, uh, who uh, just did a remarkable job of replacing my, both of my knees in 2006. And former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be with us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.